Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the South Bay Show, Manhattan Beach Chamber 360. On May 7th, 2021, live, love, laugh, and leave a legacy. That's what we do here in the South Bay of Los Angeles, and it's a beautiful place to do just that. The South Bay Show is brought to you by the Manhattan Beach Chamber of Commerce. The Chamber of Commerce has been serving the community since 1941. It is an association of businesses, other entities, and individuals organized to encourage a strong local economy and quality of life by promoting commerce, sound government, and an informed membership and community. I'm your host, Joe Terry, and you can read all about our many adventures on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash The South Bay Show. Persistence, passion, principle, and purpose. This is what we talk about here on The South Bay Show. Joining us as co-host, the president and CEO of the Manhattan Beach Chamber, Kelly Stroman. Hey, Kelly, how are you today? Good morning, Joe. Happy Friday. Uh, I am terrific. It's fabulous Friday, as I say. Yes. (laughs) Or fantastic Friday. Uh, One of the two. They're both good. Oh, I like that Um, Yes. Fantastic Friday. It kind of sounds good, huh? Yeah. Um, Yes. Yeah. I am am well. Had a very, very busy week. Um, I'm taking next week off. I'm looking forward to um, the first break that I've had in – 17 months since the pandemic started and Uh before that. So I'm looking forward to a little downtime to spend with my family. Um, As I say, spend with myself, maybe doing nothing. (laughs) And uh, just, you know, relax a little bit. Um, Yeah, we all need to rejuvenate every now and then. I'm going to try to do a little bit of that next week. So um, very, very excited about that. It's been... A long time, Kelly. You have saved and you have mentored and you have hugged and cried with uh, people going through some of the toughest times uh, we've seen anywhere any, at any time. And uh, it definitely looks like we're on the back end. I mean, uh, rates are falling, of, of infection are falling as we're gathering more herd immunity. It's a wonderful thing to see. It is. And there, I, I agree with you. There's a great energy. Um, I think people feel that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, um, at least in California. Mm-hmm. I do know, you know, unfortunately, there are some states that are, are not in the same boat that we are in right now. They're kind of having another surge. Mm-hmm. And I think it really is dependent upon mm-hmm. Um, uh, the vaccination rate. I, look, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor, so that's an unqualified statement. But it, it, it seems to be there's a direct correlation between, um, you know, vaccination uh, rate and what is happening in these other states. But um, we are doing good in California. Yesterday, uh, mm-hmm. Los Angeles, moved, Los Angeles County moved into the yellow tier, and which is the mm-hmm. least restrictive tier we started you know just shut down and then we moved purple red orange and yellow and i honestly did not think you know for a long time i'm like oh my gosh are we ever going to get out of purple and they kept they kept making purple purpler <laughs> you know the deeper shades of purple and it was like no we're still in purple but there's more you know and then and all of a sudden we've we've kind of moved quickly through red orange and yellow and uh, we hit yellow officially yesterday which means um you know people can gather there's more you know there's more events um capability mm-hmm. uh, museums and indoor facilities like that can now have 75 percent you know indoor capacity which is pretty profound um fitness studios you know dance studios gyms all those type of um businesses can have 50 percent um indoor dining is permitted at 50 percent you know and and i think most everybody still has all the outdoor dining 
um, bars are still mm-hmm. only at 25% because uh, people tend to congregate a little bit more at, you know, in a bar. But um, anyways, really good signs. And then, of course, we're all patiently awaiting the arrival of June the 15th and what that will bring because Governor Newsom has said that, you know, the state will officially reopen if we continue on the positive path that we are on right now. Um, on June 15th, we'll be, you know, quote unquote, kind of open for business, which um, I think there will still be some smart guidelines and, you know, healthy guidelines, but we seem to be headed in a very positive direction. And I just hope and pray mm-hmm. that we continue on that, that we don't kind of relapse. Um, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're excited. Businesses are excited. We are busy in Manhattan Beach. Uh, there's a lot of people I've noticed mm-hmm. are, and I asked all the businesses, okay, who's coming in? Who's shopping? Who's, you know, who's staying at the hotels? Who, you know, and um, locals are still showing up big time and supporting all the businesses. But as far as, um, you know, travel goes, not, still not seen um, for obvious reasons, um, really much of any international travel. Uh, a little bit here and there, mm-hmm. but it's rare. But it's really people taking what they call a drivecation, you know, within an hour or two of their destination. Um, so we're seeing people from, you know, as far down as San Diego, as far north, you know, as, you know, even people coming from Northern California to San Francisco, which is more than a two-hour drive that they could fly mm-hmm. to. But it's a lot of, you know, mm-hmm. um, interstate travel people coming from Arizona. So uh, very excited that people are feeling more comfortable moving around like that. Um, right. Dining, the restaurants are full. They're pumping, you know, outside. It's, there's good energy. The retail continues to um, give me very positive feedback and reports. So I think hotels are still um, not seeing, you know, full capacity. Um, they're going through – you know, one day is 25% capacity, the next day is 75, but it's, it's really up and down like a roller coaster. But hopefully that will continue, you know, to change. And a lot of the hotels still don't have all their facilities open either. Like, for instance, you know, gyms and restaurants are just reopening, which means in a hotel, that's just reopening too. So we're getting there and uh, very, you know, very excited about that. People are starting to have little gatherings, um, small events. I know, you know, our friend Michael Zislis. Um, opened up uh, a new restaurant this week called Brews Halls, another one. He has the one in Torrance. He opened up a second location this week on Pier Plaza down in Hermosa Beach. So as as much as there's, you know, businesses who have really struggled, there are also businesses who are um, opening. New, there's new, you know, signs of growth. And I, I, I say it's like spring. The flowers are popping out um, and there, there's good things yes. happening. So. Um, you know, we have sure. to celebrate all those little things, whether it's reopening or a new location. Um, that is a positive, positive sign. So very happy um, right. ab- about that. And um, there's um, not a ton of individual events this okay. weekend, but it's a very important weekend, Joe. It's very you know important. This week? It is no, Sunday, particularly. <laughs> Mother's Day. <laughs> Mother's yes, Day. And you know what? I'm yes, so excited. Mom. I'm going to have both both my my boys will be home. Um, they're taking me to brunch at MB Post. Um, I'm going to load up on those bacon cheddar biscuits until I'm, you know, going to pop, and I'll go home and take a nap. <laughs> so it's Mother's Day. I can do that, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, it's always nice, you know, when you can be with your kids um, for Mother's Day. So anybody listening, if you have not made your Mother's Day brunch or lunch or dinner reservation, please don't wait any longer. Make it because you might miss out. And um, so important to spoil mom and, you know, gather around yeah. and enjoy your time with her. I know. And um, fortunately, we're going to be able to do that, which is this time last year, you know, no one could, I, restaurants were barely even open. I don't think, I, actually it was takeout only last year uh, at this point. Uh, <sighs> isn't that weird? Yes. I mean, and, and by the way, can you believe it's May? I just, this year is going so is fast. There seems to be no concept of yes. time these days. Yes, right. This this year is uh, lightning quick. Uh, already half the year is gone and, and, uh, before you know it, we'll be 
it's going to be a great summer. I just want to reiterate what people are saying. I think it's going to be a fantastic summer as people open up and get vaccinated and uh, herd immunity uh, takes hold. Um, that is going to be, uh, you know, it's going to you know, really be freeing, and I can't wait. I agree. And um, I was up at Terranea a few days ago meeting with them, kind of, you know, uh, I love going up there. It's so beautiful at Terranea. But talking to them about the hotel and what they're planning, and, of course, they're not able to do any, you know, large events or weddings or anything yet, she said. But they are banking on this June 15th date and being able to um, have events and stuff. She told me there are people, there are days in the next four months that they have three weddings a day booked at the hotel. That's insane. Again, wow. They're hoping and they're assuming that they're going to be able to do that. So everybody's um, kind of like airplanes on a tarmac. They're all lined up. They're all ready. <laughs> you know, will they be able to take mm-hmm. off? We're going to find out on June 15th. But um, she goes, Kelly, mm-hmm. it's crazy. She goes, there are days of the week where we literally have three weddings planned at the hotel. Mm-hmm. And wow. I said, wow, that's fantastic. I said, are you staffed? Are, is all, has all your staff returned? And she said, mm-hmm. no. I'm like, well, how are you going to do that? She's like, I don't know, but we're working on that. <laughs> so, you know, mm. just like so many people that I have talked with, um, every industry is really having a difficult time um, getting uh, employees to return to work, rehiring, mm-hmm. um, you know, mm-hmm. and often kind of retraining and onboarding again because um, things have changed in the last year. I mean, Terranea was a location that shut down what they shut down 100%. They were not open for three full right. months. And right now they're right. only, they're, little, they're about 40% staffed. Um, now they're not back to 100% capacity and events yet. So they're working in the right direction, but they're really having a difficult time. Um, there's a lot of people who have um, taken the last, you know, 16 months and, really reevaluated their life. They've changed careers. They've gone back to school. Maybe they've moved to a different mm-hmm. state. I mean, there's, I'm hearing those stories every single day. And I said, well, is there any particular sector? Is it, um, you know, the restaurant help? Is it uh, the events? Is it, you know, um, housekeeping? And she's like, nope, it's across the board. She goes, we can't even get people, you know, for the front desk. And I'm like, wow. So anybody listening out there uh, who is looking for a job, just please know that there are tons of positions out there to be had. Might not be the perfect mm-hmm. position that you had in your mind, but there, there are jobs out there, Joe. And um, if anybody's looking, feel mm-hmm. free to call the Chamber of Commerce. We'll post, we'll, we'll, we'll point you in directions. But um, you know, as difficult as it is for employees, the employers are really struggling with bringing employees back and all the new rules and restrictions and laws and you know liability. So I'm, I'm really happy to have our guest today who's going to be help us um, hopefully you know, shed some light and get some insight into what she's experiencing right. with her right. clients and um, hopefully continue to help everybody you know, get back and, and recover. Um, even 75% would be good because everybody's really struggling with that. So um, that's really all I have going on. Um, and no, right. no, I'm, I'm anxious, anxious to talk to our guest today. <laughs> well, uh, Kelly, who is our guest today? All right. Our, we have a returning guest, uh, Lynn Hook. Uh, Lynn has been with us before. She came in last uh, year about this time talking about all the new protocols and shutdowns, and we're having her back today. Um, Lynn has been advising and defending California employers in employment law matters for over 25 years, she counsels human resources and operations professionals on the legal aspects of employment policies and conducts training and workplace investigations. She has her own practice in Manhattan Beach called Employer Lawyer PC. Lynn received her BA cum laude in philosophy and political science at USC, then went on to complete her JD of law at Notre Dame Law School. In her spare time, Lynn volunteers extensively for several nonprofits. 
Uh, recovery from the pandemic, pandemic continues to create new hurdles with regard to employment law. And this morning, our guests will give us some pointers on how to navigate this brave new world as employees return to the workplace. Employers broach the subject of mandatory vaccinations for events and as the economy starts to grow in what is now the new reality of business. Lynn, welcome back to the show. We are so uh, thrilled to have you here with us on this Friday morning. Thank you so much for having me. Happy to be here. Employment law, employer lawyer. I mean, <laughs> this is the time that I, you know, not that uh, employment law practitioners dream about, but it is a unique opportunity to uh, exercise your craft because it, it, it's not temporary. Many people are mm -hmm. saying that employment legal changes are permanently going to be different in the future. Tell us more about that first. How do you see that playing out, the permanent redistricting, if you will, of employment law? Well, I will say California has always been a challenging place to do business. Um, you know, I tell my clients that we have probably more laws on the books in California with regards to employers' obligations and employee rights than any other state in the 50 United States. Uh, so this is always a difficult place to do business. And certainly in the last year, it has been even more challenging, obviously, as a result of the pandemic and a variety of very strict rules put into place by our government. And employers have really had to struggle with how to comply and yet try to keep their doors open and try to keep employees safe and try to keep customers safe. And, you know, certainly it has been a major challenge. I mean, when would we ever have thought that we would come to the day where everybody went and worked from their home if they could. Um, and that was really rule number one. You know, if you look at some of the protocols from the L.A. County Department of Health, one of the first bullets is everyone who can carry out their work duties from home has been directed to do so. So mm. I came out of law firm life. I came out of corporate life. And there would never have been a day where I could have foreseen that people like me would be working from home. And now we're in a position where office space downtown is plentiful. Uh, corporations are thinking about letting their large spaces go. Um, many companies are, in, are incorporating very flexible work arrangements and also trying to figure out, well, who do we bring back and in what capacity and how do we let people be flexible moving forward without being unfair? Mm. So um, mm. I would say that's probably the biggest issue for the non-essential workers right now is, you know, how do you bring people back safely? We just moved up to 75% capacity for office environments as of Thursday, yesterday. Mm -hmm. So it is confusing for employers. And, you know, I try to post as much as I can on my website that's free, helpful information for uh, employers to take a look and try to figure out what, what do we do here. So it's been a very interesting year, to say the least. We we talk a lot about the problems, but I want to start off with what some people may uh, not anticipate. And my one of my favorite statements is, uh, you know, uh, the character uh, in in Chinese for opportunity is the same character for crisis, mm. and crisis and opportunity are married when there are crises like we are, are experiencing the tail end of, there are great opportunities. Are you seeing this? Uh, are, are there particular areas of business where you see great opportunities uh, unfolding today? Yes, absolutely. I think, um, you know, for the average worker, there's a lot of jobs available, like Kelly was saying. For most employers, they are able to start thinking differently about their business, and maybe they're going to be changing things going forward. Um, I think this year has given everybody, other than maybe the essential functions like the grocery workers and the 
uh, hospitals and healthcare, you know, many employers have had time to really think about their business moving forward and what they want to change and how they want to look when this is all wrapping up and hopefully we're moving into a better day. Um, I think it's given us all a chance to reflect and reposition. Um, you know, May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and uh, I think many employers are also realizing that the mental health of their employees is very important to think about. And although we typically don't spend too much time on those issues, um, that is something that more and more employers are realizing they have to pay attention to because your employees are only as effective as they're, uh, you know, feeling good about themselves and feeling good about their work. And your wages are your largest cost of doing business. So you need your employees to be um, fully committed and fully available and fully present to do their best work. So paying attention to their mental needs is very important and really figuring out how do we come out of this, whether you're a law firm, you're a bank, you're a grocery store, you're a healthcare provider, what, what, are, what are things going to look like going forward? What are we going to change about the environment that maybe wasn't so great before and maybe we had an opportunity to think about and um, adjust our practices moving forward? So I think it is a time of, of reflection and, and change. You know, I... Um, so, Kelly, I, after you. Uh, I'm sorry. Yes, I, I was just... I'm glad you brought up uh, Mental Health Awareness Month, uh, Lynn, because... That's a big um, part of what I have been hearing in helping um, employers navigate also because not only, I mean, there's all different levels and thresholds of um, comfort or discomfort with regards to the pandemic, um, infection, vaccine, all those things. Um, And even the way um, office space, um, restaurants have had to reconfigure um, so that that routine that maybe uh, an employee was used to, whether that routine came from their space or a system or an assembly line, whatever it was, I think most all of those any type of routines have been inter- completely interrupted in the in the last year and uh, and and now often reconfigured because of um, spacing and. Um, in the way they have to keep their uh, environment, you know, uh, safe. So not only are people returning often with a little bit of fear of being interacting with the public or being near other employees, but their the procedures in which they've done it, the habits have changed, um, and anybody public facing. I'm also hearing that. Um, public-facing employees um, are feeling like they're uh, taking the brunt of often customers who are unhappy because they aren't being served or dealt with as thoroughly or expeditiously as they were before because the employer hasn't been able to bring back all the staff. And, and whether they haven't been able to bring it back because of social distancing or simply rehiring. So uh, there's a lot of businesses uh, and all different sectors who are operating with, let's just say, whatever, half or 60% of the employment force that they had pre-pandemic. Um, and so those people are working harder and often they're covering different, they're covering their own position and then maybe another position and there's this level of burnout and exasperation happening, but customers are also um, treating them differently. And so they're, they're taking on that, um, you know, um, dissatisfaction and angst from the customer and we talk a lot about being kind being kind mm-hmm. to each other being kind and, and really being empathetic to the people around you and employees and if you're an employer really listening to your employees and talking to them about um, how they're feeling but I think there's a lot of customers who aren't they're they're all of a sudden going back to whatever the restaurant or back to the retail store and they're expecting you know to snap their fingers and have that service like they have before and although everybody's so happy they have to greet customers back they're often not capable um, of delivering that level of service yet because they're still ramping back up so I feel like we have this big 
basket full of issues, you know, the unintended consequences, right, you know, that are yeah. are really surfing up. And I, I mean, what are you, you know, what are you seeing, how are employers being, you know, maybe thoughtful or creative with regards to employee wellness? Because that's also a big uh, topic that is, in front of me every day with programs and different things, and a lot of ideas are coming out of that. Are people offering that as an employee benefit? Is that sufficient? You know, are you dealing with anything along employee wellness programs, um, what you do, Lynn? Yes. So I would say larger employers tend to offer, uh, you know, employee assistance programs, employee wellness options, um, but that is difficult to do for a smaller employer because, again, it's just that investment of, additional monies into programs that maybe they're not sure how much they can continue to support them just because when your staff is fluctuating and your needs are fluctuating, it's very difficult to provide additional benefits. So I would say certainly larger employers are ramping up those those additional offerings. Smaller employers are just trying to figure out who is on the schedule for the week and how are they going to get through the next month that is still a bit unpredictable because as we work towards June 15th, and, you know, we all know we've had kind of two steps forward, one step back. We've had that happen a couple of times. And when you're a small employer, that has a massive impact on your ability to move your business forward. When you're a large employer, you have a little bit more, you know, wiggle room. You have a little more flexibility. Um, but the smaller the employer, the, the more closely they have to manage their labor costs, and their expenses. And so wellness programs are not always reasonable, but you know, California provides employees with many different types of safety nets. And um, you know, everybody has paid sick leave, everybody has state disability insurance. There are many, fortunately, we have many safety nets, we have many provisions for employees to keep them um, healthy and to keep them paid when they have to take time off. So California employers just have a lot of um, requirements and responsibilities. Um, and I think, you know, particularly now, everyone's concerned about vaccines, and we would all love to think that everyone will be vaccinated in the near term. Um, I know I heard on the radio yesterday they're looking already at, you know, do we, are, do we need to shut down some of the vaccination sites if they're not 100% busy? Um, but we're going to move into getting, you know, young teens vaccinated shortly, so they probably will stay open. And I'm fortunate everybody in my family has had both shots, and I feel good about it. But not everybody is okay with that, and, and employers are also struggling with this idea. So, you know, can you mandate the vaccine? I get this question a lot. And, yes, you know, California and federal law say you can mandate it, but you have to proceed with caution. You always have to be aware of, those employees with sincerely held religious beliefs who have medical exemptions, um, and yet you obviously can't retaliate against employees who make those choices, who have those beliefs. So you do have to proceed cautiously. Um, I would say most employees are going ahead and getting it and are returning to work fully vaccinated, but you're going to have holdouts. And some employers will call me and ask, you know, what can I do? I need this employee to return to the office. This is not a work-at-home job. Everybody needs to come back. What are my options if this person will not return? And so I do look at the facts and situation and give them advice on that. Okay, so let's let's break that down some more because that's, um, you know, very uh, frequent conversation. So let's take um, – uh, okay, let's let's take a retail business, and uh, their business is increasing. They are they're, they're continuing to try to rehire um, their employees, and mm-hmm. um, let's say for whatever reason they um, they have a you must be vaccinated in order to be able to return to work policy. Yeah. Um, if if there is an employee um, who um, is not vaccinated for whatever reason, health, religion, whatever it is, um, mm-hmm. it's their choice. Does the employer have to still rehire that person? Or can they say, no, sorry, you're choosing not to be vaccinated, so I, I'm not going to rehire you? 
you can have a mandatory policy that vaccines are required to be uh, in a public-facing role, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little dicey to, you know, do it carefully without any legal uh, uh, situation and legal problems, mm-hmm. but certainly you can um, have that protocol. You can say that we have decided that our business needs to be fully vaccinated because we want to protect our employees, we want to protect our customers, and if employers choose not to be vaccinated, they may be choosing that they need to find a different job, basically. Okay. Um, you can have that requirement. There are many re- uh, retail businesses that are offering um, extra pay for employees who need time to get those vaccines. There are a handful mm-hmm. of businesses offering bonuses to employees that get those vaccines. Um, mm-hmm. Bonuses do raise a little bit of a challenge because uh, bonuses for a non-exempt or hourly worker then figure into the regular rate of pay, and there's an adjustment that needs to be done on the payroll side in that regard. But So not as many employers are doing the vaccine-related bonuses, um, but I do see uh, many employers giving paid time off for vaccine uh, visits, and mm-hmm. um, there are many other ways to go about it. I've read some interesting articles you might have seen um, in the news. Um, there are companies that are going above and beyond with regards to luring employees back with bonuses. Um, there's mm-hmm. one company based out of D.C. that's giving a daily cash prize of $10,000, randomly awarded every day to one of their workers who returns to the office. Um, wow. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing, right? Every morning the CEO sends an email to the company's staff announcing the winner of the $10,000 daily cash prize. Um, You know, some some employers are going to great lengths like this because they really want to encourage employees to return. They believe that they do their best work when they're all in a physical office together. And so they're not mandating it necessarily, but they're saying, you know, if you're willing to do this, we will go to great lengths to encourage you to do so. I've heard of employers offering, like, expense-paid vacations. Um, I, have, I saw one employer that was offering uh, a Tesla um, to, uh, of a, you know, like a lottery for employees. Um, I see that um, there's certain, uh, like, Bolthouse Farms is one of our um, agricultural uh, employers in California, They are paying $500 to hourly workers who get the vaccines and they're hosting vaccine events actually at their plants. So employers are very excited about the fact that the vaccine is available and workers are taking advantage of it, but there are going to be holdouts and we have to just proceed carefully with those holdouts. Okay. So, um, you know, everybody listening or who subsequently will listen to this, you know, post-show um, on one of our websites is going, what are those companies that are, <laughs> that are offering $10,000 um, bonuses? Okay, a $1,000 employee shout-out bonus a day would be, I think, amazing. $10,000 um wow i i mean and i know small businesses can't do that that's probably a very large corporation i'm assuming but um and when you said somebody's giving away a tesla i'm like okay is that elon musk in one of his companies you know (laughs) but but uh that's wow i mean you know i'm dealing with um i'm working on a program that hopefully we're gonna be able to offer to the chamber um with a couple different um uh wellness kind of apps and um, uh, like employee wellness and like massage and self-care things I'm offering mm-hmm. to employees. But I am, I, I clearly have not been reading the right articles. There's, I mean, a thousand, <laughs> 10,000 Teslas being given away. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, that makes a massage like peanuts, but um, <laughs> well, um, that's, that is such a sign of the times. I am, um, I mean, Joe, did you hear, are you, uh, did yeah. you fall off your chair? Are you still there? I was like, wow, that's <laughs> huge. I, huge. Cash works. Cash works. <laughs> uh, I just, uh, I, I know that there are going to be many different changes in general throughout society, throughout business. Employment law is that, you know, special place, uh, that I think uh, is very exciting today. Wow. 
Yeah. Well, okay, it's, so now, it's some okay, interesting so stuff then, happening. Okay. I have after I I I kind of fell off my chair with the ten thousand dollar reward, but I'm <laughs> I'm back on my chair and I have a question. Okay, so let's say um, uh, an employee comes back to work, but they they do not want to get vaccinated, but the employer brings them back. Uh, everybody else is vaccinated. Does does an employer have to provide any uh, different provisions? for an employee that chooses not to get vaccinated? Um, do they have to give them, you know, um, different space or different break? Is there any um, employer responsibility uh, for an employee that is not vaccinated? Sure. So, yeah, right now, um, if all employees have been vaccinated and you're working in a office space, let's say, and um, then you're really at the point where, if everybody's vaccinated, you do not have to wear masks in the office. But mm-hmm. if some people have chosen not to be vaccinated, um, they are going to be required to continue to wear a mask. And if you are the type of business where you do have visitors coming in, then you do have to continue to mask up in L.A. County. So, again, this is all based on the county's Department of Public Health. So mm-hmm. every employer, every employer has to always follow you know, ultimately, we, we follow federal rules, we follow state mm-hmm. rules, we follow county rules, and then we follow city rules. So, you know, if you're an employer in the city of San Francisco, you have a slew of rules that relate to your employees that the employer in the next city over does not have to follow. So mm-hmm. is, uh, you always have to think about where your employees work and we can talk a little bit about working from home as well, because as we know, many employees have been working from home, and some employers don't realize that when the employee changes to a work-from-home environment, they are now covered by the laws of where they work. So if they move out of state and they're now covered under Nevada law or Arizona law or what have you, the employer has to start treating them as an Arizona-based employee. So that is another challenge that has come up is, employers realizing that as their employees move about the country, some employees took advantage of the fact that they didn't have to be in the office and they relocated, um, that they have to make sure that they are fully compliant with those the, the laws of the state and city where the employee is sitting. And this comes up sometimes with paid sick leave. It comes up with minimum wage, um, lots of different types of rules. And so, you know, we've also started moving about the country. So not if you have an essential business where things happen on site, but if you're in an office environment and you have basically said your employees can work from wherever, um, I have many clients where their employees scattered. You know, they decided to move home with mom and dad to save rent money. They decided to relocate to the mountains. They decided to take this opportunity to do something completely different. But what employers have to realize is, they are going to be governed by the location where they choose to work if it's a permanent relocation. Mm-hmm. If it's a permanent wow. relocation. So, yeah. um, okay, so how do we well, – okay, let's break that down a little bit. So in the last year, I'm, I'm thinking of a few people that I, I personally know who – um, you know, we're at a complete, you know, stay at home, work from home situation, um, mm-hmm. did not have to be, you know, in their um, place of business. And some of them relocated, I think, temporarily to another state. But now that's yes. turned into like 10 months, let's just say, yeah. you know. So how do you define permanent? Because now as things are beginning to, uh, particularly offices, are reopening and they're bringing employees back, um, that employee needs to return to a public-facing, you know, in-person, in-person role. So mm-hmm. even though, what, what, can, what, it, what is permanent, you know? Because um, I think every, everybody might have left and gone, oh, okay, well, I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to go home. I'm going to live in Chicago, you know, where my parents are during this and uh, for a couple months. Well, that turned into five months and then six months and then 10 months. And, you know, so how yeah. do you determine permanent? 
Yeah, that's a good question. So, you know, we never, again, used to think of how important it was to keep in touch. We All employee handbooks have a phrase like, you know, if you change your residence, you need to let us know. Well, we never anticipated that this would be such a significant issue for employers because years ago we thought, oh, well, that employee moved from, you know, Manhattan Beach to Torrance or Torrance mm-hmm. to L.A. Well, now mm-hmm. we're talking about employees moving to Idaho and right. Wyoming and Texas. And so what happens when you change states is that that state wants its payroll taxes. And so that state has a vested interest in having that employee on its own tax rolls. So Mm -hmm. one of the things that has to happen is you have to keep your employees updated. You have to make sure they're communicating with you about where they're going. And if it's truly a temporary decision, meaning their job remained in the city or county of L.A., but this was a temporary domicile elsewhere, mm-hmm. then maybe you, you talk to your tax advisors and you don't actually have to change their location. But if you have given them permission and you assume, I mean, I have clients where I've talked to employees during an investigation that have moved to Atlanta, have moved to Dallas, and that employee moved. They're not coming back. So under mm-hmm. that scenario, they definitely need to be reported as an employee of Georgia or an employee of Texas. And that will provide some additional complications for employers, but that is one of those changes with employees fluctuating. I read that Google has more or less decided that employees will be coming back to the office in waves, and, you know, they're building a large um, complex in West L.A. at the old West Side Pavilion for employees Mm -hmm. who will be working on the West Side, which Mm -hmm. is great. Google is one of those employers that's very forward-thinking, and they have said, look, we're going to rotate and we're going to sort of cascade employees back into the office environment, but we're going to give you going forward four weeks of the year where you can choose to work from anywhere you like. And so they are implementing um, policies that will continue to allow employees to take, if you will, you know, working vacations, like I'm going to go work from Idaho for the next month. And for a lot of employers, that's okay with them. They understand that employees want the flexibility, but they are going to have to figure out what requirements are you going to put in place as far as being in the office. Um, Those that tend to want to work in the office tend to be closer to the decision makers, tend to have a better feel for the pulse of the company, tend to be more incorporated in the business. So employers also have to think about at what point do we want everybody to be committed to a certain in-the-office requirement? Is it every other week? Is it every third week? How do we want to structure this? But is it really a good idea to have people that never come in? For most employers, the answer would be no. Um, mm-hmm. And you do need to work through how that, how that affects your own space because those that come in the office will have a better connection in general to your business moving forward. Yeah, I, no, I agree. Right. Um, I mean, there, you know, the human interaction um, is different in, in person than it is on Zoom, <laughs> you know, or on, on a call. Um, but there's also, there are definitely roles that can be done completely remotely, but, um, I am, I am fascinated by this because, um, you know, it's, it's happening. I think it's going to continue to happen. And, um, what you said about Google offering, you know, four weeks, uh, that you can work anywhere you want to, that's really interesting too. So that's in addition to like, obviously their, their vacation. So, mm-hmm. um, for instance, you could go work from Hawaii uh, yeah. <laughs> for, for three or yeah. four weeks and then take two weeks off, right? I mean, yeah. um, uh, and so, okay, so then let's talk about like that remote worker, whether it's something like that or just, you know, they're, they're, they're just staying at their home, which is whatever, 20 minutes from the office. Uh, they're remote. Uh, let's talk about break times and, you know, cl- and, whether they clock in or clock out or, you know, <laughs> breaks and lunches and yeah. how – let's talk about the responsibility of the employer and the employee with regards to those things. Sure. So employers have to realize that no matter where you ask your employees to work or where they choose to work and you approve it, you still have to comply with all California rules. So, um, for example, yes, hourly employees have to take their meal periods. They have to take their rest breaks. 
And you have to be clear with them that you expect them to record that time on their timesheet. When you have an employee that records 8 to 12, 1 to 5 every day for a month, those timesheets are never going to be viewed as real timesheets. You need employees to record to the minute their meal periods and their start and stop times of the work period. That is California law. So it's important that employees are diligent and employers are auditing to make sure that employees are recording those opportunities. Now, clearly, when you work from home, it's presumed that you have time to take a meal period, right? You shouldn't be missing Mm -hmm. those meal periods if you're on your own schedule. But employees have to be diligent in enforcing the rules. And also, as far as expenses, I am seeing a lot of plaintiff's attorneys coming after employers for failing to pay expenses. You must reimburse Internet access. You must reimburse mobile phone usage. You must provide office supplies. You must be sure that your employees have an ergonomically correct workspace. So if you see that your employee is sitting in bed on their laptop on a daily basis, if they do that eight hours a day, I guarantee they're going to end up with some kind of workers' comp claim. They're going to have Mm -hmm. neck, back, whatever issues. So you Mm -hmm. might need to send an ergonomic consultant out to their home to make sure they have a proper setup. If they're sitting on a lawn chair to do their work, yes, you should buy them a desk chair. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. you really have to be mindful about making sure wherever they work that they are following the appropriate rules. Will we see workers' comp claims for employees falling down the stairs at home? Possibly. You know, we're still kind of seeing how this is all shaking out. Um, but paying those employee expenses for home work from home is really important. And just recognizing that you don't get a pass on the employee rules when the employee is not in the office. So that is something mm-hmm. to definitely keep in mind. Um, interesting. You mentioned the term ergonomic consultant. Yes. Um, so um, <laughs> t- t- tell me more about that. Is that a kind of a, you know, um, uh, like an industrial, you know, interior designer that knows how to create workspace at home, or what is an ergonomic consultant? Yes, yeah, so essentially someone who will come in and look at your workspace and make sure that it's healthy for the worker. So whether they're sitting at a desk or they're, you know, um, doing something that's uh, automated or they're in even whatever kind of environment it could be. It could even be a factory worker. An ergonomic Mm -hmm. consultant looks at the setup of their workspace to determine and try to avoid workers' comp claims. You know, no employer Mm -hmm. wants a slew of workers' comp claims. That is very expensive. Um, It's a major cost to employers. And so these are really small investments that employers can make to avoid larger problems down the road. So, you know, it seems odd to send somebody into someone's home to look at their workspace, but again, you're responsible for making sure they're in a safe, healthy work environment wherever they're working. And if you approve them working from home, then you have to think about, well, maybe we want someone to go take a look at what they're doing and make sure we're not going to end up with a a neck claim or, you know, carpal tunnel syndrome or, and we make sure that they are working healthy. So, um, that's one of the things I've been noticing, and I do get questions from employers about that. Um, you know, initially we thought, well, as long as we issue everybody laptops and we think they have a kitchen table to work at, good enough, you know. And true, that mm-hmm. was probably good enough for the outset. But now that we're kind of coming out of the pandemic, we need to think about what are the next three, six, nine months look like as far as where our employees are working, how are we taking care of them, How are we making sure that they're physically healthy, mentally healthy, they feel engaged, and they are a really connected part of our workforce? Even if maybe 90% of our employees choose to come back to the office, what about those 10% that stay home? I get a lot of questions also about this employee does not want to come back. They don't have a disability. They don't have a serious medical condition. They just don't want to come back. Well, again, proceed with caution. But without a disability, there is no really legitimate claim to not work in the office if that's the uh, job description that you signed up for. So employers do need to kind of navigate carefully those issues. And I have had employers who have given employees ultimatums, like, you know, we understand your concerns. However, effective May 1st, 
we are all back in person. We welcome you back. If you don't think you're interested in returning, please contact us and we'll talk about other possibilities. So maybe that employee decides to resign. Maybe they decide to look for other employment because they have decided that their work-life balance means they're going to work from home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Okay. Um, let's wow. jump um, a little bit and talk about, um, uh, I think it's SB, Senate Bill 93, um, mm-hmm. and the, re, the return, you know, of certain industries, uh, one particularly being um, hotels, Mm-hmm. Um, what I think, what I think, I think it's 50 or more employees. They fall into the category of restrictions on bringing employees back to work and having to offer the uh, a like the position or like position mm-hmm. um, to a furloughed employee before they can um, offer it to somebody else. Um, I know a lot of hotels are struggling with that because yeah. the employees as they're trying to communicate with them and bring them back, you know, maybe they've scattered, maybe they've gone out of state, but been, you know, mm-hmm. maybe they're not ready to come back. Um, and the, the way that um, it, it reads, there's a mountain of paperwork and, and mm-hmm. paper trail that they have to create to prove that they are, you know, trying to rehire these employees. So yeah. um, do you have any insight into to um, Senate Bill 93? Sure. So, again, you know, our legislature in Sacramento is very busy. Um, Sometimes they maybe don't think about how difficult it is for employers to comply with all of these rules, but Governor uh, Newsom signed on April 16th this Senate Bill 93. It's now Labor Code Section 2810.8. And so employers in certain industries have to make written job offers to employees who they laid off because of COVID. So this applies to hotels with 50 or more guest rooms. It applies to private clubs that have an operation with 50 guest rooms. It applies to event centers like concert halls, stadiums, sports arenas. It applies to airport service providers, and then janitorial building maintenance, et cetera. So really a lot of these uh, type of businesses that were dramatically impacted by COVID when people stopped staying in hotels, they stopped going to event centers, they stopped traveling in hotels in uh, airports, and they stopped going into large office buildings. So those are the types of employers that are hit with this rehire retention law. Again, they've been dealing with the pandemic. They've had to lay off so many employees. They didn't want to have to do this. They had no choice. And now the governor says, well, in order to bring people back, you have to uh, have a form letter that you sent out to those that were laid off. You have to make sure your hiring managers know all about this new rule. And you have to wait five days after you send out that letter to um, decide who you're going to hire for those slots. So it is providing um, rehire opportunities to those that were laid off, but you are absolutely right. Many of those employees left town. Many of them moved away. Um, So basically, you have to retain their last known address. Um, You have to keep their full name, their job classification at the time of layoff, the date of hire, their last known residence, their last known email, and their last known phone number. So you can send a letter by text, email, snail mail, but you have to show that you made an effort to reach out to them. Now, I represent a limited service hotel chain And, you know, they didn't end up laying off too many people because they were open for a lot of essential care workers. So Mm -hmm. some hotel businesses that were not on the luxury end, they never laid off a lot of people. We're talking about more typically luxury end hotels that weren't going to be able to keep their doors open, like Terranea that shut down for that amount of time. So, yes, Terranea will have to, whenever they have new jobs that open up, they are going to have to issue Um, offer letters or open letters to their former staff. They're going to have to wait five days for employees to respond. And this rule will be with us until the end of 2024. So that is a very long window. (laughs) It is. And that seems Mm -hmm. to, uh, you know, be part of of the problem here. So, okay. So, 
if they okay let, just for instance let's just say a hotel is ready to bring back um the um let's just uh, like event, like a convention staff um, uh-huh. I'm, yeah um you know for meetings you know and um they're for meetings and events so the servers the planners whatever yeah. uh, that crew and let's say they are ready to bring back half of them because they're gearing up so they have whatever 20 out of the normal 40 positions they're ready to open up and rehire so yeah. they go back they send a letter a text or communicate with the employees in those categories that were furloughed yeah. they send it they have to wait five days for the employees mm-hmm. to respond mm-hmm. if, yes. if an employee doesn't respond um, do they have to are they able to go okay that we haven't heard from that employee and then that case that file is kind of closed or do they have to continue to notify any employees who either didn't respond or maybe they declined on the first round for whatever reason? Do they have to continue to offer them those positions as they open up and as they continue to gear back up? So let's say a month from now they're hiring the next 20. Um, do mm-hmm. they have to go back and offer that position to anybody who declined or did not respond on the first round? They were not as specific as they could have been in that kind of how many times you have to reach out. It appears that they just have to reach out the first time. Um, And they are required to contact everybody in that job category. And then they have to keep those records for at least three years. So you definitely want to keep all, all records of your efforts, whether you sent it by mail, text, email, You definitely want to keep all those records. You want to make sure you have those available in case you get a charge of violation with the DLSE um, because as a result of this, the employee can file a complaint with the Division of Labor Standards Enforcement and they can ask for uh, reinstatement. They can ask for front or back pay. They can ask for benefits they would have received under the employee's plans and they get um, interest and attorney's fees. So this can be a very expensive type of claim, but if you keep your records and you're diligent about reaching out, um, you know, keep up your contact information. We talked about that. that We never used to take that contact information issue so seriously, and now we Mm -hmm. realize that there's a lot of reasons why we have to keep that contact information up to date. But I think employers should feel like they need to reach out once. They need to have clear record keeping, and if they don't hear back, you put that file aside and you move on to the next person. But basically when they do reply, you must award the jobs by seniority. So if you reach out to 20 laid off people and 10 reply, you now have to look at their date of hire and you have to hire the most uh, senior seniority first. So, you know, that's challenging too because again, you could have a slew of employees replying within different days, and maybe on day one you reach out to this person and say, okay, here's the job offer or here's the possibility, please come in. And now on day two, what if an individual with twice the seniority responds? So, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a moving target. It's not a particularly well-thought-out statute in my opinion, but, again, this is California. We do things a bit more aggressively than other states and employers have to figure out the best way to try to work through it. Wow. Um, talk about uh, Mental Health health Awareness Month. I can only imagine the, <laughs> the stress that employers are and heads of you know, departments and resources. You know, I mean, it's, it's not just um, it's hard. the employees. It's hard. There's so much. Yeah. Man. And I do want to point it's, out with mm-hmm. – we, we talked about Mother's Day this weekend, and before we end, I just do want to point out that we all need to recognize that over 3 million women have left the workforce in the last year related to coronavirus-induced reasons. Um, we need to recognize that we were at least 50% of women in the workforce in 2019, and that has dropped by many percentage points. So, you know, mothers of young children have had to stay home. They've been furloughed, laid off. They've had to make choices between showing up or caring for kids. And so this Mother's Day, I think we also just need to think about how many women had to drop out and didn't have a choice. 
and recognize that it has been difficult for so many and it's a it's a it's still a challenging time and we hope we get back up to where women are representing half our workforce. Wow. Um, I agree. Thank you for putting that out. Um, All right, Joe, we have one minute left. We need to wrap it up. Well, Lynn, whenever you come, we we learn so much, but it's like a fire hose what what (laughs) employers have to deal with today. It's it's too much information. It's too much. Thank you so much, Lynn Hook, Employer Lawyer PC. Thank you for joining us today. You're so welcome. Um, Lynn, do you want to give us your phone number or um, website or email how somebody has a question, how to reach out to you? Yeah, my website is uh, employerlawyer.us, and I do keep a blog with, I have over 10 years of articles there that are free for you to search and read on various topics, Uh, and um, I am reachable through that website as well, and I'm happy to follow up with anyone with questions, and um, I wish you all the best. Oh, well, thank you very much. All right, Joe, that's it. All right. Thank you, everyone. Have a fantastic weekend. Uh, It's happening. It's opening. (laughs) Summer's coming. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.